before I hand it to you. But um, we, uh, for mothers, we got you a book. And for men, I didn't want to burn our money, so I figured you wouldn't read a big book. So uh, maybe I judged you wrongly. So we just got you something that maybe you could use. It's a two-pack because inevitably your children will lose one, and so you get to keep the other one, right? And so it's just a little something because... You guys, um, I mean, if you've seen our budget, it's tiny, right? But we wanted to let you know just that, that we appreciate you. And also, I needed a flashlight, and I was in charge of the gifts. So I got some flashlights. We want to give one not just to dads. We're going to give one to every guy in the room. If you're going to be a dad one day, you can go ahead and get a jump start. If you're never going to be a dad, you can give it to your dad, right? So, um, so Rob, you can go ahead and do that. Man, this big Is that it? Did we run out? There's more. I forgot them, I guess. Okay. All right, anyway. Um, oh, you know what? I think we're supposed to take them out. I, I got no idea what's going on. i tell you what I'm going to do. We're going to figure all that out later. But for now, uh, I'm just going to pray, and uh, I'm going to pray for Des. God, we praise you for uh, for this morning. God, we praise you that um, praise you that you are you are the... Father above all fathers, and, and as a dad myself, just knowing all the times that I have no idea what to say and no idea what to do, and for all the little mistakes that I make, God, um, you say that you are strong where I am weak. And so, God, I pray for, for fathers today that they would recognize that you are strong where they are weak. And, God, I just pray that, that we would be people, we would be fathers who look to you for strength and look to you for guidance as we seek to lead families. I also just praise you especially for, for fathers who were in church um, growing up and had a grandfather who wasn't in church and just reminds me that, that uh, man, what a blessing it is to have your dad just present in the space. And so I thank you for dads that are here today. Amen. Amen. Um, yeah, I think I'm supposed to break those apart and give you one. I don't know, there's miscommunication. But anyway, you guys enjoy that. We'll get some more next week, okay? Um, so, hey, happy Father's Day. Um, and to you ladies as well, you know, happy Father's Day. Um, it's um, Here's what I heard about being a father. Uh, Lisa, you were, at this, you were at this youth camp when the guy said this. Well, so we'll see. This was years ago. You were there too, but you weren't in this session. But anyway, so I'll tell you what the guy said, and it, it really reminds me. It did. Now it rings totally true. But, um, but somebody said at this camp years ago we went to, they said having a kid um, or being a parent is like having a pet, right? So first you have a little puppy, and your little puppy loves you, and they love when you come home, and they're cute, and they, they love to be in your arms, and they love to hang around you, you know, and everything about them is cuddly. And even though sometimes they bark when they shouldn't, you know, still they love you. And when you get home, you know, when I get home every day, Molly, Daddy, and she runs, and she's so excited to see me. And my dog used to do that before he got old. And, um, man, first it's like having a puppy. And then somewhere in the middle... And you just you don't really notice when it's happening, but somewhere in the middle your puppy becomes a cat, right? And then all of a sudden this thing that used to love you now just looks at you like, you know, you bore me. And and everything about you is just, you know, so old. And you're no longer the wise master that they love, you're just the food provider. Has anybody experienced that transition? So I'm going to try to enjoy, you know, this little puppy stage where my daughter still really enjoys my company for now. 
Um, but I thought it was pretty funny. So uh, many of you folks are, are not fathers, um, but it, and, and some of you will, will never be dads. But here's the truth. You definitely, uh, most of you have fathers whom you know and whom you're, you're close with. Even if you don't have that, you have a relationship with someone who is a parent. And so there's some value in what we talk about today. Because let me speak for all parents when I say, we need some help. Is that right? Is that right? Can I get some people like, no, I don't need help. No, you need help, right? If you don't think you need help, you need more help than the rest of us. We need some help. And if we were honest, if I'm honest, the answer to to most things that I get asked as a parent at least the first time is, I don't know. I've never said I don't know so much in my life. Usually because Jess is saying, hey, how much Benadryl can she take? I don't know. You know, can kids this age take this? I don't know. Uh, when do kids start going to the dentist? I don't know. Um, you know, should poop be this color? I got no idea. I'm just constantly saying, I don't know. And then as they progress, and we're starting to talk about schools now. You know, what's a good school? What's the difference between an A school and a B school and a B school and a C school? And there's just, you, there's just so many things I got no idea what the answer is. Um, you know, What's a good high school? How do you prepare your kids for college? How on earth do we find extra money to try to save for college? You know, um, my kid is having a kid. Am I too young to be a grandma? That's what my mom said. Um, all throughout, there are questions that you just don't know the answer to. Uh, we need some help. We need help from our children, especially. Need help from other parents. Need help from people who don't have children and thus have some energy to help us. And we just need some help. Um, that's the whole idea of church, you know, by the way. The whole idea of church is that you don't have to do these challenging things by yourself. There's this idea in church called koinonia, which just means fellowship, which is just the idea of us doing things together. And so there's an idea that you as a father don't have to wonder what, you know, what the right answer is all by yourself. The rest of us dads jump into you and we just... We don't give you an answer, but we just let you know you're not the only one who doesn't know the answer, and it makes you feel better about the whole thing. But that's the whole idea of church is that we do it together. So um, let me ask you this question, dads. The rest of you can take a, uh, take a nap for about a minute and a half. Dads, if you could get... It's all the dads fall asleep, right? Um, if you could get one thing for your child, I don't mean like a gift, but if you could just... If there's one thing that you could sort of pass along that you could guarantee in the life of your child... Uh, what would you get them? Not a toy, but like a piece of life. Would it be like financial security? Um, man, it stinks to not be financially secure. So is that something that you would give your child, some financial security, so that's not something they have to worry about? I think about a spouse. When I give my, my child a, now it sounds really archaic, right? But not in a weird way. But would I, you know, would I... You know, if I could take care of that, I'd say you're going to have a spouse that loves you, that cares for you, and that you know that that treats you in the way you should be treated, and all those kind of things. Is that the kind of thing that if, if you could if you could just wish something into their life, is that what you'd give them? What about confidence? You know, just any of those things that you feel like would be really valuable. What would that be? Mine for a long, long time, and especially is even more clear now that now that I have a now that you know, Molly's here, is super easy. Super easy to say to you what, what I would have for Molly. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, so, uh, so I, don't have the, I don't have the words up here. Um, Deuteronomy chapter 6, so you want to grab your Bible. Um, these are people, 
that are just beginning to get to dream like that. They've never got to say, what will I do extra for my children? Because they've been slaves for like 400 years. And so life is not about, if I could give my kids something extra, what would I give them? They've never been able to do that. And for the, for the first time in a long, long time, in hundreds of years, so for the first time in any of these people's lives, they get to not just survive, but they sort of get to dream a little bit. And they're getting to kind of think about what extra they may be able to do for their families and to pass along and all those kind of things. And maybe for the first time, there's actually a little bit of planning for the future and a little bit of trying to do something for the next generation. And, and so they're actually about to go into, this is the whole, the, the Hebrew slaves and they've escaped and they're about to go into the promised land. And I think about whether, you know, how many times have you said, when we get to this place, we'll begin to do this or that for our children. You know, when, when we get the new house, we'll begin to do this or that for our children. And next thing you turn around and it's four, five, six, seven, eight years later, you know, ten years later and your kids are about to leave home and you never really got to the promised land. And all the things that you had planned for them, you never really quite got around to. These people are actually going to get there. And they're going to make it to the promised land. They're right on the cusp of it. And as they're going to walk in, they're beginning to say, what will our future look like? So when it comes to planning for your children and when it comes to choosing the best thing, this thing that he talks about here, this is what I'm choosing. So here's what it is. Deuteronomy chapter 6. It says, These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you, to observe in the land that you're crossing the Jordan to possess. So he said, these are the things I'm supposed to teach you, and you're supposed to do these things in the promised land. Verse 2. So that you, you have to do these things so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God. Can I just pause there for a minute? I know the words are on the screen, so you can't really read it over and over. But man, that's the piece right there. Do these things so that you your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you so that you may enjoy long life. Verse 3, Hear Israel and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in the land flowing with milk and honey just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, chose. Man, that's it. To me, that's every bit of it. If I could pass along that my child and my child's child and on and on, if I could pass along that they fear the Lord, that's what I'm choosing. And if I get one thing absolutely and completely, that's what I'm going to choose. The Scripture says, do these things so that it might go well, that you might enjoy long life, and that your kids and their kids and their kids might be Jesus followers, God followers at this time. Man, to know that their eternity is secure, that the biggest thing, the biggest piece of their life is taken care of, that's absolutely what I'm choosing. And so as he talks about this, man, that's absolutely what I want to see. And so Moses kind of says, he says, you want that? Like you want that piece for your children? Here's how you get it. Here's the rest of the verse. He says, if that's what you desire for your children, here's how you get it. Verse 4. It says, Hear, O Israel, 
The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Have you ever heard that, by the way? I just said, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. That's part of what's called the Shema. If you know anybody who's uh, who's Jewish, they, they Shema means hear. They actually, some, some real devout Jews actually recite this like twice a day. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. So that's the first thing he says. And then he says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. So these are the things that you have to do so that you'll get the other things. You know, that's part of our mission statement, right? Have you ever seen that? Live Oak Church, love God, love people. Some of that kind of comes from here. Verse 6, it says, and these words that I command you today, these things that I'm telling you to do, uh, these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. Listen to all the places he says, the, the things that God has commanded you to do, this is where you put them. The words, that, the words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Do you get the idea? He's saying, man, if you want your children to grow up to fear God, man, here's the crucial piece here. Man, spend some time in the Word. He says, your desire is that your child, if your desire is that your children are, are Jesus followers, teach them diligently. That word diligent means to sharpen. It's like the same idea of sharpening a, a sword or sharpening, it's like to wet or to sharpen. And so the idea is that you make something sharper or you make it better um, by doing that. And so it says, teach them diligently, sharpen them. He says, this word, these laws should be, and this is to you, the parent, these things should be on your heart. And he says, talk about them when you sit. Talk about them when you walk. Talk about them when you lie down. Talk about them when you rise. And if they had cars, he'd probably say, talk about them when you drive. And talk about them when you ride. Tie them to your hands. Wear them on your forehead. Write them on your doorpost. You get the idea? He's trying to cover every single aspect of what you may do. And he's saying, man, be absolutely immersed in the Word and teach it to your children. And am I saying this right, Dad? You, you, can, you can stand up and correct me if I'm wrong. We'll debate it out. But tell me if I'm wrong here. I feel like this is where we fail. And we all want the great things for our children, but this is the piece where we fall. Men, let me ask you a question. How many of you... Uh, by your own volition. So, you know, it's not when you were in school and they forced you to read and every now and then you happen to do it. But how many of you um, just sit down and read in order to get better? Okay? So not, not like thumbing through a magazine or not just leisure reading, but you read to get better. So you read something because you think, if I read this, you know, it's going to make me better. For some of you guys, I probably could have asked, how many of you guys read at all? And we have the same answer. Because, man, a lot of us men, we just don't sit down and read. Transparency, I don't love to read. If you're a pastor and you go to a pastor's conference and somebody says, have you read this book? And you say, you know, I don't really like to read. Like, oh, my God, you know. Like you, you're the worst pastor ever. But, man, I don't love to sit down and read. Um, and it's not that once I, once I make myself sit down and I start spending some time reading, you know, I kind of enjoy it. But it's sort of like if I'm going to take away from something else to sit down and read, I'm going to struggle with that a little bit. I went almost two years, a few years ago, without reading a book. And some of you guys are like, two years, I got that licked, right? Um, but I went almost two years. But here was the problem for me. For one, I'm trying to lead. 
Okay, so I didn't have a daughter then, but I was married. And, um, and so I'm trying to lead my family. And I was a youth pastor. And so I'm reading the things that I have to read, but I'm not reading anything else. And, and the truth is that I just got to be really empty. And it's really hard to lead when you're empty. And the truth is when you stop learning, you stop leading. So if you're not learning anything, you're definitely not leading. And if you're not leading your family, who is leading your family? And maybe somebody else has picked up the torch and begun to lead. Um, but nobody can replace, fathers especially, nobody can replace what you do. And nobody can take your role. And so if you're not leading, then there's a void in leadership. And so what I began to learn for myself is, you better learn to love to read, right? Or you better learn, you better find some other way to get better. My stepdad listens to audiobooks like crazy. Sometimes he listens to them in the deer stand which seems totally counterproductive to to much of that. But, you know, just trying to find some kind of way to absorb something to make me a little bit better. Here's what you can do. You may can tell me, well, I'm just not a reader, and that sort of extends to the Bible, and that's just who I am. But let me tell you something. When this scripture was written, that piece that we read today, um, you want to take a guess at how much, how many people read, how many people were literate, how many people could write? Very, very, very few. Very few. Actually, all writing was done by scribes. So even kings, when they wanted to write something, they brought a scribe in, they told them what they wanted to write, and they wrote it down because kings didn't know how to write. There was one general, and there's this, there's this, um, this, this quote that we have by this general, and he was such a great general, and they said, what made him so great? And it said he could read all the battle commands that were brought to him. Like he was an incredible general because he could read. Not many people could read. So how on earth is he telling them, hey, immerse yourself in the Word. Get it, you know, all around you. How are they going to do that if they're not reading anything? Here's what they did. Man, they, they talked about them all the time. They talked about Scripture. And you know what else they did? They went to the assembly and people read Scripture. And they just took it in as often as they could. And in any way that they could get it outside of reading it, that's how they took it in. You don't have to be a, a biblical scholar to get into the Word. And there are audio Bibles. You know what also there are? There are church gatherings. And, and you're here and you're doing some of this and you're taking in some Word. And, and, and we have small groups where you can take in some of the Word. But, but the point of it is if you're going to be immersed in it, it means you don't forget about it as soon as you leave. There's some conversation about, about Scripture and about the Word as a part of your daily life. You know, when you're walking and when you're sitting down and when you're standing up and when you're doing all of those little things. And why is it so stinking important that you get some Scripture, that you begin to do some of that? It's important because, remember this, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live. That's why it's important. Because if you want the greatest thing for your children and their children and the children beyond them, you got to get into the Word. Because here's reality. Can I, can I just insult you for a minute? You don't have that much wisdom. I don't have that much wisdom either. And there are too many situations where you need some wisdom that you don't have. Man, when I was a, a, a youth pastor, I was... I was I can't remember if I was 19 or 20. Um, I turned 20 when, while I was a youth pastor. So I'm a youth pastor at this place. This woman is, um, 
she's driving the, the church van, because I was too young to drive the church van. And um, she's driving the church van, and uh, she's a parent of, of one of the students in, in youth ministry. And uh, they do a lot in the life of the church. And, and we're driving, and she looks over at me and says, um, I think I'm going to leave my husband. I'm like, Okay, um, you know, I don't know what to say. I'm 19. You know, I don't feel like this is information for me. And uh, and she wants to talk about it. And she wants to talk about all the reasons that she should and, and all the things that are going wrong. And as a 19-year-old, I got not the foggiest idea what to say to this woman. And And that has been a theme throughout me serving in the life of the church is people ask me questions and I got no idea what to say. And now that I've become a father, it's now it's at home too. And constantly, I, don't, I just don't have the wisdom that I need. But here's what I do know, is that Scripture speaks to everything in the world I may go through. Everything, everything that I've ever encountered, there's some truth in there that is crucial for me. And so, if, if you ever ask me something and it seems like a really hard question, and the only thing I do is tell you exactly what Scripture told me, it's because I don't know what else to say. But I know that Scripture has way more wisdom than I will ever have. And you face too many things, especially as a parent, that you need some wisdom for, for you not tap into the greatest source of wisdom that ever was. That's why it's important to be immersed in the Word. Um, as we kind of wrap up, my, my, um, my dad had issues for days. I mean, I don't want to paint him to be something that he was not. Uh, my dad had a, a kid in his teens, and then if he didn't learn then, he had another one when he was 20. He, um, uh, my mom dropped out of high school. My dad dropped out of college, um, and, and he began to work. But in the midst of, and, and he kind of you know figured it out a little bit later, like a lot of people do, but sort of in the midst of, of him figuring it out, and after him and my mom were divorced, um, some of my clearest memories of my dad we're waking up on Sunday morning, and he would uh, he'd be sitting in the uh, in the chair in the living room, and uh, and he would just be and, and I remember this is just unnecessary details, but it was like we lived in this really really old house, and there was no insulation, and when the wind blew, you could sort of feel it coming through, and uh, it was just a house built in the twenties, and uh, but anyway, so he'd be sitting in the living room covered in a blanket because we were all freezing, and uh, and he'd just be reading his Bible. And I just distinctly remember that. And, and, and we weren't there a lot during the week. We stayed with my mom, but I was there on the weekend. So I'm, I'm sure that kind of thing happened a lot at other times. But I just remember him sitting there, and he would read his Bible, and he spent a lot of time, and then he would prepare for a Sunday school lesson uh, he was going to teach that day. And so, um, and, and man, I remember those times distinctly. And I remember after that, he would go and he would cut on... Um, he would cut on some Phillips, Craig, and Dean. If you've been listening to Christian music for a long time, then you may know who that is. But he would play it super loud. And, and you know, my dad, um, I, I grew to love REO Speedwagon. Some of you old people are like, yeah, because my dad loved REO Speedwagon. Um, but, man, there was something about about Sunday mornings and, about, and, and, and other days that we were there that he wanted to start the day off with something wholesome. And so, so he would play some of that. And I remember a few of their songs, they would, they would spend, like, much of the chorus just singing some scripture. And so I just distinctly have those, I have those memories of my dad doing that. I also have memories of him. And there'd be huge gaps of time in between, which tells me that he was trying, but he just wouldn't get consistent with it. But there would be times, uh, when, when he would, me and my brother would be going to bed, and, uh, we lived with, we stayed with my grandparents for a lot of time, and, um, and so the house would be sort of crazy, but he would come in, and we would kind of calm everything down, and we'd just read, read the Bible together. And, and he would say, do you guys have any questions? And we never had any questions. And, uh, and we would just spend some time reading together. 
And so for all the things my dad may have got wrong, and my dad, you know, when I told him I was going to go to college, he was like, why do you go to college? You know, like, what's, you know, I, I got a great job and I didn't go to college. And, and he, you know, and he sort of came around later. Um, but, man, my dad did not love to read. My dad was in, you know, he was an electrician. Uh, he, you know, had a regular job, did regular things. Um, but, uh, but you know what, he just at some point, and I don't know at what point in his life, you know, the transition happened, but he realized that his kids needed to spend some time with him in the Word. And so for all the things that he didn't do well and all the problems that he may have had, man, that was significant for me. And I can't say all the things that he did that led to my brother and I really being people that fear the Lord, but, but I think that had a huge part in it. Because for all he did wrong, he loved the Lord, and he valued the Word, and he worked hard to pass that on. And I'll say fathers, mothers, future fathers, future mothers, there is so much value, and there is great reward for your children if you will pass on the Word. Let me pray. God, I, uh, I just praise you for the promise, you know, that if we are people who are faithful to spend time with you, and if we are people who are faithful to just immerse ourselves in the word that, that you give us, God, that you say great things happen. And I thank you that that you give us all, everything that we need to lead our families well. And God, I just pray that we would be people that would be faithful just to, to sort of hear what you have to say to us and do those things. And I pray specifically for myself and for other dads in the room today that we would have the courage and the discipline to lead, and the courage and the discipline to do what you call us to do to lead well. Amen.